Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. State of Digital Publishing is creating a new publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Pia Frey, a co-founder of Opinionary, on how her engagement tool was built with the newsroom and how user-centric thinking can uncover trends and audience opinions. Let's begin. Hi, Pia. How are you? I'm good. Hello. It's great to hear you. you, you you're, you're in Germany at the moment. Is that correct? I uh, I just got back to Berlin. It just uh, became spring here, which uh, totally changes the game of being in Berlin. Nice, nice. Um, just for people who don't know much about you and about Pinary, if you can just start off with providing a background. Yes. So um, I'm Pia and I'm co-founder of Opinary. Um, I am also, I used to be a journalist, um, which is how Opinary uh, got started. And um, I live in Berlin I and in New York, I go back and forth a lot. And I started Opinary about four years back uh, together with my brother when we discussed and figured out that the something needs to be done in the way how um, content creators, publishers, uh, also brands co- have conversations with their users. And there was an irritation <laughs> that the vast internet is um, providing a lot, but not a way for users uh, to share their opinion and content effectively and in an insightful, rewarding ways, way. And so... So we did it. How did you come up with that insight though? Like, did you just, um, what was the detail behind that? Yeah. Mm, so at the publisher where I was working, Axel, Axel Springer, it's a big European German publisher. Um, I was working on premium products and for subscribers, but the actual problem lay not in the products for the subscribers, but in the funnel um, where you get people to subscribe, um, which is basically just a loyalty or a loyalty metric from, from users. And we were thinking is that when you're building a relationship with a user, with a person, it's quite hard to do this without being in a conversation, without speaking to each other. I think real life relationships are not too different in this way from digital relationships and when you're not interacting it's hard to yeah to build a connection so the number that intrigued me was less than 0.5 percent um, engagement rate in the comment section on the site because the comment section is traditionally the place where conversations with users are happening but the users who were joining these conversations um, on the site where I was, uh, at a publisher where I was working, were um, just randomly called uh, the grumpy old man. And um, we were rather, or the moderators uh, were rather happy that there are not too many grumpy old men um, because it's just um, hard to moderate and not scalable. So we were thinking, how can you um, make it rewarding and insightful for users 
to join the conversation and to share the opinion in order to get them engaged, in order to build a relationship with them, a closer relationship, and to convert them and to keep them on the side and to get them to share stuff and to read more. And these were just very rough hypothesis that we had that engaging users in smart ways pays on to these uh, loyalty metrics but and we tried it on a very experimental level and so wow there is something and um, because the tools that we built back then it was just a side project that we did with a friend but this thing that we built there uh, looks awful from today <laughs> really shitty technology in the first place but it um, proved the case of an increased and boosted comments uh, engagement rate that jumped from these 0.5 percent to 18 percent and this is what kept us going since then that's a massive jump and that, that must have made a big difference um, in terms of new subscribers as well. Yeah. Like with that in mind, like when people, when you, you speak about comments now, section now, and you speak about um, opinionary, maybe people might potentially think of it first off as a widget or an additional add-on. What you, you mentioned on your website, the fact that it's not that, it's a platform. Can you explain more in detail behind why it's a platform for publishers? Sure. The, reason why don't identify as a widget is because I think a conversation and interaction is the very base of a relationship with the user. And by working with uh, more than 80 publishers um, across UK, Germany, US, and uh, with many, many brands who use our technology to, to drive these conversations, we have a database and uh, a backend that basically uh, helps enables us to get into any conversation on any given topic with any demographic user group across um, this entire network. Uh, but this is nothing that we use, but what we make available for our partners. So as a brand, um, you are not embedding a widget, but you are able to interact with a user group that you like to target across our entire network. And this is what makes Opinary, uh, um, we call it decentralized platform, but I learned that decentralized is one of these words, one of these German English words that um, are not act actually used. <laughs> German, Germans tend to complicate um, their language is what I learned. Um, but yeah, it's a decentralized platform, meaning we are not a destination platform like Facebook, but we are um, driving conversations across a huge network of publishers and brands. Does that mean publishers can um, tap into audiences from other publishing sites as well through this platform? How, how does that work? They can, yes. And um, especially publishers' brands teams are interested in this. When, as for example, economists have a brand client, Toyota, and I want to um, enable Toyota to engage with users and not only to generate some clicks, um, we enable them to distribute this brand branded uh, interactive branded micro content for Toyota across our entire network and place their polls basically into any contextually relevant article that is related to this question that is asked by Toyota. For example, Toyota might like to know um, or is, is engaging users with a question, do you think there will be self-driving cars on London streets in five years? Um, we would enable um, 
economist to distribute this poll into any article from our network that is related to future of driving or um, diesel or um, self-driving cars. That's really interesting. Uh, and then um, there'll be people who engage on and then, then Toyota is a, um, economist, sorry, if economists would see the results and then share that with Toyota. Exactly, exactly. And that's what, and these insights that you generate uh, are sometimes extremely revealing about um, the target groups and audiences um, a brand aims to reach, a brand aims to reach. So for example, um, the marketing team at Toyota might think we want to reach 35 to 45-year-old um, men from Southern England. Um, but what we can actually reveal is that um, Women between 25 and 30 have a much more, much stronger opinion about this topic than the actually targeted user group. So it also enables our brand partners and uh, also publishers to to find new target groups and new audiences. That's really interesting to me. Um, I think I think there's a lot of technology behind this, and, and I'd like to go into detail about this. But I just want to take a step back first. Um, just to give a broader picture of what kind of other s similar solutions are out there, like to, to my mind at the moment, like there's things like Discuss or even like New York Times had recently put an AI chatbot, or chatbot in their comment moderation. What other technology do, do you think is out there which sort of fits the similar landscape that you guys are trying to engage in? Of course, we do have we we have many competitors from many sides, and basically, um, when it comes to our business model, um, biggest competitors competitor is Facebook, because brand might uh, is deciding are we um, deciding to engage an audience on a walled garden on Facebook, or are we using um, the distributed a distribution model like Opinory where we engage users? But um, on the uh, engagement side and um, different ways um, and technologies to get users into conversations, I'd say there are two categories. Um, one are these actual conversation drivers that are uh, enhancement of the um, traditional comment section. And yeah, there's Discus, for example. There's a really great project from the Coral, Coral Project, um, Talk, for example. It's also a smarter, a smarter comment section, also driven by questions, asking users questions and letting them answer. There are proprietary proprietary uh, solutions um, from some pub from publishers like the New York Times chatbot, um, Dietzeit, a German publisher is um, doing great work on the on the comment section. We never we 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 decided um, even before we got started that we don't want users to write comments just because I never wrote a comment in my life. I I, I really value the comment section and I do have strong opinions, but I don't write comments just because of time and I don't know effort. Um, so we wanted to make it a one click solution for users to share their opinion. And there are other providers who do this as well. For example, uh, Playbus or Apestar, two Israeli startups are um, building tools that, um, that also provide um, kind of polling or voting. There is Raw, for example, which is an, I think, Austrian or Swiss startup. Um, and there are different ways. I think there's one, um, there are many differentiators to us. And one is that because we were born in a newsroom, um, we, and I was facing the um, newsroom reality every day where I saw many great 
engagement stuff and tools and article enhancements available um, but uh, also um, very limited resources to use them. So we built um, a technology that enables us or enables our partners to automatically um, distribute and drive these conversations in their articles by like a, an LP-based algorithm that places polls and questions in articles without an editor who has to do anything, it, which is, I think, very much in line with the future of uh, any CMS where the dump work and the copy paste work is not supposed to be done anymore by the valuable time of smart journalists and editors, but the CMS is doing as much as it, as it can. So we have our own newsroom who creates polls and questions and drives debates and a very smart algorithm which places these conversations in on publishers' sites and in articles. And um, this makes it scalable and easy for partners um, to drive these conversations and to focus on the insights part because that's what what is relevant and that's what I've always found, find, found very irritating from a newsroom perspective that the user's opinion is you, you know a lot about users you know how old they are you know what they read before you know where they were coming from etc but you never know what they're thinking and you don't know when you when you write a uh, opinionated um, moody article about uh, the right-wing german right-wing party which is read by millions you don't know are they reading it because they like it or are they reading it because they hate it and i think journalists and editors time should be focused on understanding these opinion trends and understanding how their coverage impacts um, the public's opinion out there and by distributing creating polls ourselves with our own newsroom and distributing it automatically enables our partners to fully focus on the insights part and on the conversion part and on the impact level of it do you think though that journalists themselves spend enough time to collect feedback or like, do you think that they might rely on people who are focusing on audience engagement within their team, in the cross-disciplinary team? What, what are your thoughts? Who's actually the one? I think it's in progress. I think it's in progress. I think there's one problem and there's one cultural shift going on. Because in, in the print era, the newsroom was like the epitome of wisdom and they were uh, just telling the world out there how things are um, but um, having a direct stream of conversation and, and like a direct access to an audience um, on a through a website or um, in distributed content and being much more forced to show the value of your product when you want to uh, drive user-generated revenues you have to become user-centric and this user-centric thinking is something that is more and more spreading uh, across publishers but far from being there and showing a newsroom what their audiences think and how their audience compares to other audience and how their coverage um, influences um, opinion trends in different ways than other publishers do is a strong driver in this user-centric approach. But I know that like audience development teams that are established uh, across many publishers over the recent, has been established over, the, over many publishers over the recent years are still having tough time sometimes to 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 do this fight when it comes to the not the insights part but the like the loyalty part uh, i think um publishers still have a problem of uh, lack of 
expertise, in-house expertise of real customer relationship management. And many of them just expected um, to just do great content, um, do quality journalism, and the users will come and the subscribers will come. But it's not that easy. And as a user, you have expectations based on how you are treated as a user from Amazon to to any other service you're using. And um, building this expertise of how to manage um, an audience and customers and how to keep loyalty is an expertise that is still on a very early stage, I'd say, across publishers. And um, we are happy to help there <laughs> by just getting users into the funnel and, uh, and, and contributing to retention and showing very valuable data about the, who these users who are willing to subscribe are. Let's go to another example. Sorry, I think I, I didn't, I didn't explain yet why, how and why we're driving subscriptions or signups, right? Mm, you could, let's go through that, yeah. <laughs> I think that um, it's hard to get users into the funnel, into into subscription funnel, through the inventory that is available on site right now, which are ad spaces, because users learn to ignore these these ad spaces for a very long time, being like uh, uh, through invas very invasive advertising. They saw that, and um, but now these exact places are used for self-promotion of on products which are easy to ignore from a user perspective and we saw that when you create a receptive moment um, by asking user a user a question that is related to what he's currently reading you have a momentum that is very valuable for a convert um, in a conversion aspect and uh, asking giving a user a reward once he, sh he or she shared their opinion and by saying thank you for your vote um, you we value our uh, engaged users and uh, that's why we give you four weeks free access to our premium section, for example, is very efficient when you want to get users into the funnel. And by interacting with users across many sites, we know quite well where users are subscribed already. If a user is more, interest, more intrigued by subscribing to a sports newsletter than to a politics newsletter, um, if the user has declined an offer to free app downloads or free 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 trial uh, of a subscription and wouldn't ask him or her again so this knowledge cross publishers helps us um to shift users through this funnels with very ooh, very great conversion rates that actually surprised me how well it worked <laughs> that's why i'm stumbling like that so let's go through an example of one that you've recently done or you've recently seen from your publishers. Mm -hmm. um, what's what, what's the campaign? What was the conversion? What was the performance like? And I guess what did they learn out of the process that made them result in using it again, potentially? I would give you one example from a German publisher who just um, refused to do the funnel and just said, we just uh, target users with the highest barrier that we have, which is our $20 subscription. And they make, since since uh, more than three months, more than 400 subscriptions um, a month, sometimes up to 80 subscriptions a day. And we see that the hotter the topic, um, it's a general news site, the hotter the topic and um, the more, and there is a con correlation between how relevant um, a news or a topic is and how willing users are to subscribe, which is nothing new. And the Trump bomb has shown this quite well. 
on another end, for example, one vertical from uh, NBC um, is driving newsletter subscriptions and Twitter followers. Um, so it's a lower barrier from a user perspective. And they continuously have a click-through rate of more than 10%. More than 10% want to learn more about the newsletter and end up on the sign-up page uh, after voting. And these are numbers that are just um, we're just very proud of. Yeah, this is a very high number. So like for example, even with the NBC case, like they've seen an article then you might have how would they the internal team design the questions to then drive them to the newsletter what would be some of the uh, type of questions or the yeah how would they approach that so um we are doing a lot for them here so our editorial team is creating polls and questions for them that match their content and their topic range they and these polls are connected with post-voting uh, call to actions that are also set up by us, um, approved by them. And um, what they do, I think they do manual integration. Yeah, they do, they would just uh, copy paste this ready-made um, questions with um, conversion call to actions um, that are created by our team um, into. Their article template they wouldn't have to do this they can also just let our algorithm do the placement but yeah it's quite simple it's an approval process and then we do the work so what kind of questions question techniques and polling um take yeah to drive engagement yeah what kind of what's the question that's a very interesting question you know why um because it's um, it differs a lot um, across markets, and we learned that in the in the US, people are way more responsive and engaged by questions that directly address them and ask for a subjective opinion. For example, um, a question like, "Do you think that um, I don't know Donald Trump should be impeached?" Uh, typically drives higher engagement than the question, "Should Donald Trump be impeached?" The objective question. Um, whereas in Germany, um, the should question and the objective question would drive higher engagement um, than the personal addressing question. Um, then there is no there is no difference in engagement um, across like um, news content and uh, special interest content. Or there is a slight difference because we see we do see across in, on lifestyle sites or in local. Uh, on local publishers, often a higher engagement in general news. Right, there is a higher engagement with special interest size. Um, we, uh, on the question side, predictive questions, will questions, will Donald Trump be impeached, um, typically has lower engagement rates than uh, an opinionated uh, question like, should Donald Trump be impeached? So there are similarities, differences, and quite interesting uh, data that we see by uh, asking about 100 million users for their opinion every month. But what's some of the ways journalists can learn about how they can ask questions to their audiences? In the very first place, I think it's a, um, it's a mind shift that is supposed to happen. And I think I always find it quite surprising that journalists, and I include myself as a journalist, extremely good at asking questions. It's their job um, when they do an interview, for example. But somehow, um, um, when it comes to their users, 
often very hesitant to to uh, to speak to their users. So first of all, um, there must be um, the ambition and the openness to to speak with users and not to disregard them or to look down on them, but to treat them on an eye level. I think uh, an era of Trawling has done some bad there in this culture and trust between users and newsrooms. But when there is um, the openness and the willingness um, to, to, to ask users questions, my advice for newsrooms is always to think about when you write an article and when you create a poll for this article, and newsrooms can create their own polls, think about what is the question that is that, that will be discussed by someone who read this article after he read this article. When he's re reading your article um, before his lunch break, and then he goes to lunch, and then um, he has the, your story in the back of his head, and then he uh, starts a discussion with someone else. What is this discussion about? And almost any story must have this potential for a discussion. The only type of content where uh, or article where we say no, there's no question to be asked to users when it comes to uh, like um, someone has died because he was old, something. Yeah, so death-related questions. But when it comes to terror, for example, of course there are discussions happening and you shouldn't be afraid of um, the opinion from your users. Still, because we don't do representative polling, we ask users um, for their opinion on, um, or we ask, we mirror communities' opinion trends um, that are um, not um, representative in itself. A publisher or a newsroom has to be okay with any potential outcome of a poll. So when you ask a question like, do you think Trump should throw a bomb on North Korea? And when your community decides yes, um, and you don't like this result, um, you shouldn't ask the question in the first place um, when you fear a shitstorm based on a result or so. So that's one one piece of advice that we give our partners and that we consider when creating questions. How do they, how can they determine performance prediction and how can they determine what kind of questions they can ask their audiences mm -hmm. in order to not get those type of answers that they're not expecting? Or not expecting, but they don't want to portray or they don't want to, uh, yeah, portray but listen to the brand. It differs from brands and publishers. And when it comes to brand safety, of course, there are, there is a different set of things to consider when asking users a question that is branded by, let's say, Toyota. Typically, or in general, we see that every community is very different and there are similarities or um, general insights that we see as a tendency that um, Americans respond more to personal questions, etc. But when it comes to what topics drive engagement and what are things that you should do and you shouldn't do, um, we are hesitant in imposing our learnings and data to our partners because um, there have been so many cases where we saw, no, that's a very uh, unique community again that has a very unique and individual way to respond to questions or to, to polls. But there are technical things like, for example, when you ask when you ask users to join a conversation with a poll in the first thirty percent of an article, that 
the conversion rates, the scroll depth, um, the sharing rate, all these loyalty metrics tend to be better and higher than when you place a poll on the end of an article. And I think that's one mistake that um, mistake of the comment section that a conversation where users are asked what they think is happening in the very basement of an article. It's not a too pleasant place there down there. And we encourage publishers and brands to make this conversation with the users the more, more of the living room of a story, which also shows value or how a publisher or how brand values a user. The thing is as well, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. It, so it's it basically from that, it's it's getting it, taking a um, a unique approach to every single poll or question that you guys place in the conversation. Um, but your expertise comes from also the technical placement and, and um, the stats around that. There's something that I read the other day, and I published this on our site around experiments that publishers are doing today. And what and someone, the John Knight Fellowship group that are based in Stanford, they did a coffee takeover where they were trying to engage in do local journalism engagement and they were asking people questions and they were doing a concierge service. And one of the one of the findings from that was that people couldn't connect to what they were trying to do to to the call to action that they were trying to um, present to them. So you know, the, the the thing that I see that is that potentially you might have a poll there, but how do you make sure that you can connect the conversation to the call to action like subscriptions or the objective that publishers are trying to achieve how can you do that naturally um do you mean how this workflow works or the how the user journey is working or how we are setting this up for a partner you can i think it will be good to answer both so how can the how can publishers can set up the user flow so that it naturally connects to the conversion and and how can you do Benefit that benefits also the the user. Okay, so um, let's imagine you're a publisher and you have um, certain goals. Like, for example, you want to generate um, leads and you want to generate subscriptions, and you have a portfolio of newsletters um, that are um, um, that do have a value in itself in themselves, but um, are have a KPI of driving uh, signups and generating leads for you. So what we would do is tagging these newsletters um, on categories like sports, politics, Brexit, lifestyle, and any poll that goes out to your site is also tagged with sports, lifestyle, politics, Brexit. And any question on Brexit will be connected with a post-voting call to action um, telling a user, thank you for your vote. You obviously have a strong opinion on um, what's happening in the cause of Brexit. And you might like to get access to our fresh and new um, opinion or analysis of Brexit in your inbox every day. So we give you um, just free access to our Brexit newsletter, for example. And um, this call to action and this creator that converts a user um, after he or she votes, is um, set up by us, approved by you, and then just matches, uh, contextually matches uh, any poll that goes out on your site. Um, when uh, it comes to the funnel, which user gets which 
call to action, we know a lot from a user by the user history. So we know, for example, that a user is already subscribed to this Brexit newsletter. So he wouldn't get a call to action on this Brexit newsletter again, but uh, is ready for the next stage, like in your case, the subscription. But if a user refused to subscribe for three, for three times and said, no, I don't want to get this present from you, he wouldn't get this call to action again. So it's a combination of contextual, contextual fitting and user history that drives these call to actions. Um, that's the system, um, or that's how it has been working so far. <clears throat> what we are coming up with next is extending the conversation in a um, chatbot-like mode post-voting where a user gets access to more insights into his opinion profile, which is uh, where we hope to drive um, even higher conversion rates. So, for example, after voting, you would get um, a line saying, um, interesting, you have a very different view than other uh, 29-year-olds. And then, um, as I would be intrigued and want to learn more, where I can <clears throat> enter my email address to get my full opinion profile that relates me and my voting history to um, my demographic peers like other people from um, Berlin, other people, other 29-year-olds, other people of my income class, other people from my age, etc. And we know these um, demographic information um, also by a post-voting um, call to action where um, users are asked, thank you for your vote. Um, do you want to see how other 29-year-olds think about this? Tell us your... Uh, do you want to know how... Um, old versus young people think about this, tell us your gender. Do you want to see how people from Munich versus people from Hamburg are thinking about this? Tell us your, your location, etc. So um, by extending this conversation, we A, uh, generate these first-party insights data that we then um, in future use um, to incentivize users to share their email address. And this email address will be, which is very re relevant in the course of GDPR, not stored in, on our side, but on our partner, uh, in our partner's uh, DMP. That's, that's exciting to hear. Is that, some, is that the trends that you're seeing moving forward? That, is that something that, that, that's a trend that's going to be moving forward with, with engagement on the site, having those user profiles there? And is there going to be any other content engagement techniques and polling techniques that you think might fit into the process? Um, or, or it's, a, it's a good question. I think the incentivization driver of giving user a user information about him or herself is an untapped field that has huge potential because everybody is very interested in many things but most interested in uh, in himself. And using this for... Um, or, to to unlock these or unlocking these insights that you have as a, a content platform about a user um, with a barrier or with a um, key to uh, share your email address or to sign sign up for something is not um, actively tackled yet. Um, it's quite new. Also, uh, in the way of usability, how this conversation and how this uh, follow-up conversation is done with a chatbot-like mode is not done too many times yet. I know this um, New York Times chatbot who's driving the comment section, but so far, chat 
and messenger mode was something that existed in standalone apps like this great quartz app for example or there's a german app Razy, which does the same but um driving conversations in content is much more natural and less isolated to me that's a direction i think that will spread um but we don't see too many other examples out there yet but that's our mission to do new things and to, or not our mission itself but we like to do and try new things and even the way how our tools and look like always provoke the first comment oh what is this? I haven't seen this. Um, I used to think that's a bad thing, but I think when it comes to UX or to usability, reinforcing confusion in a certain degree is driving yeah, curiosity and the high engagement rates that we have, not to look like any Potentially changing the status quo so people that are not used to getting used yeah, to it. I'm I'm passionate about this because we had many discussions about our tools where people said, I don't understand it in the first glance when I look at it um, because I haven't seen it yet. And, but our engagement rates prove that people do engage uh, with it. And then with this first momentum moment of, um, Ooh, what is this? I feel backed by, for example, by the memory of how the iPhone got released, where um, there was huge curious, uh, confusion that there is a phone with no keys and just one button. How are you supposed to use it? But it 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 was a huge change maker in the way our devices look like. And um, so, yeah, we dare to to confuse people. <laughs> challenge, I, I also challenge people for sure. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I heard that you, I read that you recently um, received seed uh, venture capital funding. Congratulations on that. Thank what you. What do you so with that? What are you, what's your uh, initiatives for this year? Primary initiatives this year and, and for beyond. So for this next eighteen months, we're um, very much focused on strengthening our presence in the U.S. and building the team there. And also we are um, in this very typical stage from an early stage startup, startup where many passionate um, juniors are working hard to get things done, uh, actually getting things done, um, to a structure with more um, experienced and specialized set of people um, to scale our growth. And that's what's happening right now. We're hiring on all ends in sales um, on the US side and uh, partnership management. We've been hiring on the editorial side more than on the product side because Getting good people on the ground, um, especially in the US, is what um, drives our growth goals for this next 18 months, um, where we aim to get from a 100 um, users to uh, a 10 times larger user base. Um, on the product side, it's very much about the challenge that to extend the conversation. And we've been proving quite well that we're good at starting conversations um, with users and to converting these uh, conversations to into loyalty. But we sit on a, such a valuable and insightful database, knowing what all these people across topics, across demographic groups think, but don't make it accessible to users yet. And uh, what I just described with this 
chatbot um, like extension of um, the conversation is one direction where we aim to uh, improve our conversion and by making these insights uh, available to users and when we got started um, four years ago four years back and um on a yeah as i said very experimental level at one point we were thinking um, what is our mission and what are we doing here and this mission statements always have a touch of bullshit especially for a german mind but we don't like uh, germans don't like these these big thinking statements so much but still we had to define what are we doing here and what um we came up with or what we found out yeah we we want to orient users in debates and empower them to to join to join debates uh orienting and empowerment uh orientation and empowerment stick with us and we want to become even better on the orientation part and to make these yeah huge set of sentiment data accessible not only to our partners but also to use themselves that's a that's a big challenge um it's, it's, it's a big area of focus yeah so it's gonna it's gonna definitely take the 18 months i think and i wish you good luck and success on that <laughs> i can't plan ahead for too long to be honest my brother so i have two co-founders my brother who's managing our investors and uh finance he is uh taking the ownership and thinking five years ahead uh while i for me one and a half years are enough and my other co-founder max he's managing the brand side and i think he's more on my end <laughs> thinking one and a half years ahead but i mean basically it's just about like what fascinates me about opinary again and again and again every day is just how this very basic idea and um, how you could improve engagement on site outside these facebooks of the world just on your own side how can you do this and this basic idea of visualizing debates making it a one-click thing for users to, to share their opinion and to convert it from there um, which existed on paper very poorly drawn by by me how and 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 this had passionately discussed with my brother um how this kept growing and keeps growing and um becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and i think i have a bit of a traditionalist mindset um of thinking about the next step that is needed and the next big step is to actually um create a real presence um drive our um value on the us side that's what i'm that that's what my brain is busy with and um how the team has to look like for that we're hiring that's and yeah, my brother's thinking a, about the five years stuff that takes that takes that totally makes sense there's, there's a big market in, in the us anyways and oh and, yeah and Pia, just to wrap things up as well i just want to just come back to um sort of career progression advice as well so people who are on the tech side and on the general side what advice would you would you would give them to to come to the position that you were in, in when you were working for a publisher and, and, and in the position where you are now. So if you can just address it. I remember when I quit my job that many people said, oh, um, I would never dare to do this, uh, leaving a safe job. And I think nobody has to be afraid when there's a good idea, just go after it. It will find its way. There is no safety in anything. So it's boring, but I just say, just do just do things and just don't get affected by too many routines and too much comfort. I think curiosity is a great driver for everything. 
um, and curiosity is typically stronger than fear. And just going after or focusing on what you're curious about and what you want to learn and find out is a better driver for anything than thinking about what am I, what what are the risks and what um, all the things you can be afraid of. I understand. And, and for journalists as well, for people who want to succeed in journalism and, and, and in, in editorial, in publications, what, what's some of your thoughts? Oh, even more curiosity for journalism, <laughs> I think. Oh, curiosity is possible for both sides, yeah. No, and for journalists, for journalists I'd say um, journalism and content in the end is a, is a product for users. And when you want to succeed with it, put your users into the into focus. and Fundamental advice. Thanks, thanks so much. Think about your youth and talk to them. They're not dangerous. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time. Grand Canyon University is Arizona's premier private Christian university committed to providing next-generation education. GCU offers over 200 academic programs, many in high-demand fields across nine colleges. We keep our rigorous curriculum relevant by partnering with industry leaders and advisory boards. Earn your degree online, in the evening, or on our vibrant Phoenix campus. Find your purpose at GCU, where advanced technologies drive education. Private, Christian, affordable, nonprofit. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.